0: Well, hello there, Terrible Warriors. It's me, Justin. We're back. We're back again with another Terrible Warrior Spotlight episode where I admit that we're not doing actual plays sessions this year. We are taking a break from that. As you know, we're doing our session zeros and we've got another one coming up probably next week. I don't know which game yet. And what I wanted to do with the spotlights is offer a chance for you to get to know some other podcasts that are out there that are doing actual play content that are playing these tabletop games despite what's happening in the world around us they have soldiered on and if you recall uh, when we did our root game last year uh, for a uh, the, the Kickstarter special one of the guests who joined us Sean Howard is from Alba Salix and from uh, uh, out there in Hamilton doing all these like wonderful uh, radio dramas uh, and other podcasts uh, he helped get me in touch with a couple of other people and you're gonna hear those in the next few spotlight episodes and today one of those people is joining me right here his name is rev and he is responsible for the crit show podcast and the crit show podcast is into its third season so you got lots of content if you want to get into it and more than everything 90 percent of all that content is monster of the week uh, which you uh, would know is not a game we've played on terrible warriors but it is a powered by apocalypse game so that's right up our alley and i know monster of the week has been on my short list to play for a long time so i'm really excited to actually listen to a show that's been playing through that and they do a really cool job uh uh, very light on effects uh very heavy on the story very light on the rules and just uh helping to like do what i like to see actual play podcasts do demystify the tabletop experience make it feel like oh yeah this is something i could do too and so i'm very excited uh rev for you to join me today hello
1: hey how's it going
0: it's going well. It's going very well. Uh, this is a this is a weird year, and, uh, and yes. all of a sudden, a show where I'm used to having friends around the table has uh, now become very strangely isolating. Uh, <laughs> and yet, uh, here we are. Yeah. So tell me a bit about the crit show. You're into your third season, so I assume mm-hmm. your third year. How did it get started? Why did you choose Monster of the Week? That wasn't the original intention for the show yeah right?
1: yeah so uh, originally this was going to be a pathfinder actual play and i had gotten a bunch of equipment and we had gotten it set up around the table and one weekend we were at um c2e2 in chicago and i had bought a copy of monster of the week and we were just kind of hanging out in the hotel and i was joking about like oh these playbooks like which of these playbooks would you be like if it was just real life you which of these playbooks is closest to you? So we all kind of went around the room and said which one we thought. And we talked about like the stat blocks that come with it and like, Oh, you'd have to take this one because you know um, you know, you've got a bad knee. So you couldn't have a very high tough because that's kind of the, the, the action stat and stuff. And then um, about a week later, we got together to test the equipment and I didn't want to run through the Pathfinder game. Uh, So we brought another buddy over and we just played through that concept of monster of the week of, uh, me running a game with them playing as these playbooks, playing as themselves. And we got done recording it and two of the three people left and I turned to the other one, I went, Ah crap. That's the show. And he goes, Yeah, it sure is. Uh and so about three weeks before we were supposed to launch, we revamped the whole show um and convinced our other buddy to to join us on the show. And so that's kind of how we ended up we just kind of fell into it cuz we yeah, fell in the love irony with that here. story yeah you
0: say you revamped the show but you kept the name you kept the logo you are both not a, sh- it's, a it's a show where you have a d20 in your imaging yeah and it's called the crit show and yet as a powered by apocalypse game you use d6s and there's no critical hits yeah uh, but whatever uh, uh for us we started doing um traditional RPGs, Shadowruns, and uh, Pendragon. And uh, and then uh, shortly after I joined Terrible Warriors, I came across Monster Hearts. And that's also a Powered by Apocalypse game. And there's something about the Powered by Apocalypse format that is just so good for podcasts Mm -hmm. that it just clicked for me. And for years, that was almost exclusively the only type of game we, we we played and it i had to be dragged away from that just to try other things because it's just <laughs> the stories i find in pbta games um fly at such a cracker pace uh like like a firecracker just out of control and mm-hmm. in, in, if you're only for us we were doing four hour one-shot games that we would break up and change each month you could do an entire campaign in four hours, no problem uh, with, with that power. And I know Monster of the Week constantly gets suggested to me as like one of the ultimate one-shot games out there, if you really yeah. want, if you've only got enough time for a single session. You've done a little bit more than one session, though. Yes. How how did you find, what are your thoughts with, I mean, I guess like, let's, let's roll back. What is Monster of the Week? Because I'm talking of like, oh, I know all about this, but... Of course, I cannot assume that the person listening in does. Right. Uh, So very quickly then, what is Monster of the Week and where Crit Show comes into that? Like how has your story played out?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Monster of the Week is a Powered by the Apocalypse game and most Powered by the Apocalypse games are derived from tropes. Whatever it is that you're kind of spoofing or building off of, um, it, it revolves around using tropes from books or pop culture, whatever you might know. Um, to to build a game that the player on some level might be familiar with if they enjoy that type of world. So Monster of the Week is your Supernatural, your Buffy, your Ash versus the Evil Dead, your X-Files. Um, and so it is about a team of hunters who are going out into the world trying to solve a mystery, trying to fight a monster, and trying to protect the innocent. And so... For us, you know, as I said before, the players are playing as themselves. Uh, And so they are kind of the unlikely heroes who get pulled into this world that they didn't know existed. um, And they start to have to work for this organization, kind of like, you know, Men in Black, um, to help deal with these monster threats. And then they uncover a much larger plot uh, by their big bad. Um, And then part of what we have done as we've gone from season to season is that starting in season two... Uh, they discover that, oh, there are some things we need to defeat our big bad, and there are other worlds than these. There are other dimensions. Uh, so they travel to other places, other worlds, and each world they go to is a different Powered by the Apocalypse game.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: And so they are the same characters. You know, we're still within the same narrative, uh, but they are then in this other world. Trying to accomplish whatever the goal is on this world and then get back home and, you know, make sure that the world that they're from hasn't fallen apart in the interim.
0: It's very sliders style. When you're going yes, into uh-huh. those Power by Apocalypse, are you also then shifting the mechanics and the rules of that world that they're visiting that they have to adapt? Like you're in, you're now in Apocalypse World. So you're having to deal with the, because every Power by Apocalypse game is a slightly different hack on powered by apocalypse some like monster hearts as i mentioned really about social strings and and manipulating other characters where games like masks all of a sudden your stats themselves are shifting up and down every single time someone talks to you Mm -hmm. Uh, and does that happen as you're traveling around to these other powered by apocalypse or is it just a setting change
1: uh no, it is a it is a rules change, it is a playbook change. It is basically them inhabiting these other bodies um because one of our big goals is that you know, any show that we do um because we also make a lot of different one-shots um for small and independent publishers and when we do that our goal is to tell you a story but also make sure that you learn How to play the game. Uh, And so part of our mission statement has always been that in the first story arc of any game we play, just by listening along to the show, you know, we don't stop and talk about the rules, but I do explain the rules to the players as we go. And so my goal is that if you listen to the first story arc of any game we play, you'll walk away feeling comfortable sitting down and playing that game yourself.
0: Excellent. And in my opinion, there's no more accessible kind of tabletop than those Powered by Apocalypse settings. In terms of if you've never played a tabletop game uh, that has such a a low barrier of entry compared to, as you mentioned, you were considering Pathfinder, that can be really overwhelming if that's the first game you've ever tried to jump at. for For an actual play, then, so you mentioned it's it's about your your goal is to not just tell a cool story, but also uh, empower the listener to feel comfortable running games of their own. Um, every actual play podcast kind of has their own spin on the genre on whether they're more radio drama where they cut out any mention of the rules or they're almost live to tape at the table hearing everything from the dice rolls to you know you know eating snacks to uh, talking about the rules and all the table talk that happens. Where do you fall on that that spectrum of, of experience? Do you do you edit out a lot of the table talk and just kind of stick to the to the story? Or do you find a balance?
1: Uh, for me, it's a balance. It's about 70, 30, um, like 70% radio play, 30% leave in, you know, kind of table talk. But I don't really keep in a lot of, you know, there's never us searching for rules. Mm-hmm. Um, there is someone that asks a question. We can pause the recording. We come back with the answer. But for the most part, we make sure that if we have touched on the rule once before in the game, if the player happens to forget, um, you know that's not something I include because we've kind of checked it off, and at least in the sense of, of what the audience gets to hear. Um, so it's for me, it's a balance. I I come from a theater background. Um, I have my master's in acting. I used to be the uh, associate artistic director for a small theater here, uh, and I did a whole lot of radio plays. Um, and so I try to edit it like a radio play. For for us, with especially with Monster of the Week, my philosophy has always been if it's not humor heart or horror it goes after the first season i got a little more relaxed and i kept in a little more of the kind of quote-unquote out of character humor table talk um, but still not an overwhelming amount of it
0: yeah i mean i uh, right now uh, in uh, at the time that we're recording this you're in the middle of this krampus arc and uh, and i was listening in and i did notice there's just enough rule mentioning you can't hear the editing on crit show but I I can kind of pick up and, and assume that there's uh there's there's stuff that I'm not hearing and yeah. and there's enough that you're you're going through with your characters talking to each other and just enough of a rule mention of what they're doing or give me a, a, a read a bad situation move. And it, and, and it's, it's done real tight just to remind me that, oh, yeah, no, we're still playing a game here. Um, but there was a moment when uh, there was just a joke, a, a, a shower curtain being moved back and forth. And and <laughs> and someone made an offhand remark and then everyone just kind of went with it. And the whole table broke down laughing. and And it was just a nice kind of respite from the story, which... Happens when you're playing these games yeah. all the time, and it it's almost unnatural to remove them. Yeah, all at uh, you know to die on the hill of telling a good story.
1: Yeah, well, because we really want people to feel like they are sitting at the table with us, um, not just necessarily listening to an an audio drama.
0: So tell me a bit about um how how is your how has your investigations gone on on this monster of the week? What what are some of your favorite moments that someone could look forward to if uh, if they're about to start? right at the beginning and work their way through uh,
1: so if you're starting at the beginning um i think some of my favorite things are the callbacks that start to happen because structurally um we really start out with jumping pretty wildly locations um where each mystery is happening just because for me the genre of you know buffy that that monster of the week style a lot of the fun of that is that you can be in you know new exotic locations every time yeah and at um, the end but, of
0: each episode, things kind of wrap themselves up and yeah. revert to a a, a a default state so that next week we can start it again.
1: Yeah. And so then they get into maybe the third story arc and things start to kind of pop up from the first two. And you start to hear players make little connections um, and make discoveries. And that for me is is really what is enjoyable about this game. And, you know, these players playing as themselves, you know, whenever you listen to an actual play podcast, you have kind of two meters you're filling. You're filling the meter of me, the listener, getting to know the character that you have created, mm-hmm. and then me, the listener, getting to know the player at the table. Because they are playing as themselves, you get to fill both of those meters kind of at the same time. And so the the thing that's that I really enjoyed as we got further into it and started to um, get a lot of audience responses the players having to start make making changes from how they perceived things, how their characters perceived things, because it's like, oh, in this moment, my character messed this up, and the listeners are making fun of me because I'm playing me. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that line of like, well, no. It's, now, it's in, almost like in, a
0: pro wrestler. Like <laughs> there's yes, like exactly. a blurred kayfabe reality where yeah. it's you, but it's also still a performance version of you. Yes. And I'm sure as the longer you've played in this world – have your yourselves diverged further like butterfly effect from your real selves? Because I mean, I don't know about the rest, but I don't think someone in reality here, you're reading minds, you've got some magic powers, there's telepathy involved now. Um, uh, How has that been like still being you, but also you in the game is definitely going to be going through some changes?
1: Yeah. And so, you know, it is that that dramatized version of you that the more the, the player goes through, the more you start to see um, players at the table who uh, well, use Jake, for example. Uh, Jake is one of the kindest, gentlest people I know, um, but his character has gone through some some very heavy stuff and lost some people that are important. And so he has started to lean into the anger and the rage um, of the God that he serves um, whilst, you know, so that's very different from who he is normally yeah. as a person or a player. So,
0: and you mentioned uh, at the beginning, it was very wildly like that syndicated show monster of the week as the mm. name of the game. Uh, and then the players started making connections. Were those intentional connections or were those just things that organically revealed themselves as you were playing the game?
1: Uh, so they were intentional connections that I had placed, but I had no idea, you know, how long it would take for them to notice them. Um, cause that's the big thing about really any powered by the apocalypse game, mm-hmm. but especially monster of the week is that, you know, you go with the flow. There is no, Hey, this is what we want to go do. I can't really pull the rails back from you and force you to go somewhere else. Like, no, this is what you've decided to do. So this is where yeah. we're going. And the story that they are playing now is not at all the story I had in mind when we were in that first story arc. But I am way better off because of that fact.
0: Yeah, powered by Apocalypse games really live in a realm of chaos that yeah. other settings. The GM has a lot more ultimate control as as, as a really much of a director, writer, uh, everything. Uh, whereas uh, I, I love how Monster Hearts uh, puts it: is the the game is feral. It kind of lives on the table between the player and the GM, uh, and and no one really has any ultimate say on how it's going to turn out and uh, those are some of the those are the best moments for me whenever i'm playing a power by apocalypse game where it's like it feels so clever but no one had any direct influence on that
1: yeah well and that's the big thing too is that you know with say D or pathfinder or any system where you're rolling a number you're rolling dice against another number Um, you know, you don't see what I, the GM might be rolling. You don't know what the target numbers are. So if I really want a thing to happen, I can bump that number up or I can drop that number down. But with powered by the apocalypse games, one, I'm not rolling any dice. And two, when those players say those numbers out loud, if they get a 10 above, that is a complete success. A seven to nine is a mixed success and a six and under is a fail. So if I give them a result that doesn't match that die roll, they and the audience instantly know, like, well, what why did you do that? Like that's not appropriate for what they earned. You know? Yeah,
0: it's it's much more vulnerable. Uh everything is much more exposed. You're right. If I was playing uh Dungeons and Dragons, I've got my I've got a physical shield between me and the player, and I can bluff things to railroad them back on track however I want. So uh I was I was running games at a restaurant last year before restaurants closed down where I could, I had a scenario and and I had more like a magic trick where you've got one, two, or three different ways of going through the exact same trick, depending on how the audience reacts to you, is kind of how being a GM in Dungeons and Dragons plays out. Whereas if you're doing something like what I'm hearing with Monster of the Week, you don't have those options. You just have to go with it because it's already out in the open. It's already been declared. It's already canon now, and it's not in your power to... Unless unless we're getting to like a safety mechanic, it's not in your power to veto yeah. something mm-hmm. and actually rewind the clock and do it again. Do you get into safety mechanics much on your show? It's something uh, that I find with podcasts is, is, is harder to do because the cast tends to already have so much trust and understanding and, and we're doing a show. Uh, and so the most we can do is talk about it. But I've never had a, an example where we've actually triggered an X card on on a recording.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's for us, it's the exact same thing because we as players know each other. Um, you know, we talk about the importance of safety mechanics. We introduce them in some of our Let's Plays if that specific game has different set of safety tools. Um, but it's not something you ever hear come up in use on the show uh, because if it was something that were to come up really just for the sake of, of the cleanliness of the edit, I would probably cut it out and put in the thing that we switched yeah. to.
0: So that brings me, how did you get your group together? What's it, What's the origin stories here for crit show? Like you, you're more or less been the same cast this whole time, right?
1: Uh, no. So we have got, um, we have got, we start out with, uh, four of us, uh, and there are still four of us now. Uh, but we have replaced one cast member. Um, I won't really go into that too much just because yeah, to sure. spoil the story. Uh, but it was uh, our, our gaming group. Um, we were a group who got together and played Pathfinder. Uh, and I had decided that I wanted to uh, try to build a podcast um, around, at the time, like I said, Pathfinder. Um, and so I, I asked uh, them if they wanted to be a part of it. And then, you know, as I kind of, told, as I kind of talked about with the uh, playing of Monster of the Week, we roped our third friend into it uh, just because the chemistry was, was very good with, with him added.
0: Yeah. And we started with, with a similar like group of friends playing a game going, going, well, we should just record these games. Uh, and yet you've, you've kept it for three seasons now. And, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, after after a year on Terrible Warriors, as people started moving to their own projects, it became more of a rotating cast. Where I realized after four years, we'd had like sixty different people on the show over oh, time wow. because every single game ended up being just different friends to come join me because of scheduling conflicts, or uh, I, I'm too busy working on this other thing, or uh, uh, or I can't get together on on at the times that I was available to record. Um, and I'm mystified at other. Podcasts that are able to keep uh, a core group of, of of members that that stick it out for uh, uh, the last uh, spotlight episode. Uh, I interviewed there. They've been playing the same D anD D fifth edition game now for going on five years, yeah. and the last time i did that was when i was in high school and that was because we all went to the same high school <laughs> and we were we were we were stuck together yeah. and uh, and if i had roommates that might be the same deal but it's uh, i find in my 30s it's impossible to have a steady group that stick around for for like a, a whole campaign and yeah. like the most i can i can hope is so how do, was it just luck? Was it just good old friendship rules the day? How, how, did, it, how did it work out for you?
1: Uh, I mean, really, at the beginning, it was a conversation uh, because this is something that I decided to put uh, a lot of time and, uh, uh, you know, not a insubstantial amount of money into it to start it up because we now essentially have a production company where we um, work for these different publishers and we make Let's Plays and, um, And it kind of fell in line with the voiceover work that I do in my everyday life. Uh, I do voiceover for a living and I host a PBS show. And so each person that I went to, it was a, hey, this is what I want to do. It would take this many hours a week. It would be an ongoing commitment. Is this something you could commit to? Um, And so it was not entirely approached just on the basis of friendship. Like I said, I've also helped run a number of small theaters, and so there was that um, artistic business sense of here's realistically what it's going to take. Here's what I think it would take, but here's more realistically how much time it would take. Cause you almost always underestimate. Um, and then when we brought in a new cast member, it was the same thing. We had uh, open auditions and we had uh, maybe 70 people, I think audition. And it became about whittling that audition pool down seeing who had schedules that matched with ours, what other commitments they had, um, how long they were willing to commit to doing it, and then bringing in people one or two at a time and playing a one-shot with them to see how the chemistry was at the table.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That's uh, uh, certainly from from your own background, I can see how that definitely helped you organize and uh, be much more honest with expectations going into that. And yeah. you mentioned you had... Um, You've, you've spun off to do other projects. And I know Crit Show is not the only podcast you do. You have other uh, shows under your umbrella. Uh, tell me a little bit about those.
1: Yeah, so um, we have a Patreon that we started uh, almost two years ago now. Uh, and within the Patreon, one of our first projects there was we played a superhero game using uh, the Powered by the Apocalypse system Worlds in Peril uh, called the Hero Salad, uh, which is about like the top tier superhero team kind of like your Avengers, your Justice League, who get into this strange accident and they are transformed into uh, humanoid fruits and vegetables. <laughs> and so okay. it's like, how do they continue to do their job in this world where they are are now kind of seen as silly and ridiculous? And how do they get their personas back? How do they, you know, kind of fit back into the roles they think they should have and then what do those roles actually change into
0: it's hard to take a super hard broccoli serious
1: exactly yeah um you know when you have a uh, a superhero who can split into multiple people and they have turned into a banana and the community is <laughs> calling them banana split as opposed to you know whatever <laughs> oh, their geez. previous name was um and so that that was our first show that we started to do uh that wrapped up um, it was, I think, 67 episodes. It went for a little over a year.
0: And if you sign up for Patreon now, you'd still have access to those?
1: Correct. Yeah. yeah at, our, at our $5 tier, you get access to all of our, our audio uh, yeah, that we cool. have behind there. Um, and then we also have, uh, so when that show wrapped up, we started playing uh, a show we call Perilous Tides, which is a, uh, a story using the uh, Magpie Ashcan Rapscallion, uh, which is a pirate game. And it's a lot of fun. The really cool thing about it is that we had a chance to um, do an interview with Whistler, who is the creator of that game, and they gave us the option to get updates from the game as they went through the development progress. That's terrific. Yeah, so every, I don't know, eight, ten episodes, we take a little 15-minute chunk and say, hey, here's some things about the game and the world that have changed here's how we're going to fit this into the story. It's not, you know, it's never been any huge adjustments yet that have messed up the story in any way. Um, But it gives us and the listeners a chance to also see kind of how a game develops. Um, Yeah.
0: Usually with, with, with the way these, these ash cans develop is they, they're, they're not um, setting shifts so much as mechanical tonal changes on like how things might be generated or how uh, GM moves have changed. Uh, But it's really interesting that the game you're starting to play is not going to be the game you're going to be ending with at the end of your journey, that the the world is literally evolving around you as you're playing. That's really cool.
1: Uh, And then uh, one of the other shows we have uh, is called Tales from the Omniverse. Uh, As I said in the main show of the Crit Show, uh, they hop around to other dimensions and go into other game systems. And one of the things they discover is that there is a computer that monitors all of these other dimensions. And so... The concept of Tales from the Omniverse is that you have a camera sitting looking at this huge bank of monitors and every episode it zooms into one and shows you a story from that particular world. And so we use a different game system in every world. Uh, We have guests from other shows come on and lead us through a game that might be uh, near and dear to them or one of the players or myself might run a game. Um, That's kind of a a limited series. Um, We did, I think, nine episodes Well, not really episodes. We did nine stories last season of it. Some of them ranging from three episodes to one of them was 12. Uh, It was really however long the story uh, the GM had to tell. Um, And then our last show is Investigate the History, uh, where one of my friends from college who is a, uh, a dramaturg and a historian, she comes on once a month and we take a story arc from the Crit Show and she does a deep dive into the lore and the legends that i use in the show and talks about their origins um asks me question about you know hey and i noticed that vampires do this and and rice's novel why did you change it to be this um so if you're if you're interested in like kind of deep dive and and the lore type stuff uh that is the the other show that we put out once a month
0: that's really fun uh, yeah like well i guess you'll be doing a krampus one soon hopefully <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> right uh that's really cool so I, I wanted to know just again. Uh, this is this is my selfish part of the interview as we get deeper into the end of it. Is how have you f- put together the technical aspects of the show? Getting do you record all in person? Do you record remotely? Um, uh, again, like every actual play is kind of uh, very. It's Jerry rigged where there is no there is no playbook on how these yeah. these shows are made. Uh, what did you decide you wanted your shows to be? Cause I can tell you're coming from this like professional theater voice, you know, radio background. Uh, and you definitely, I can hear it in the show that there's this polish to it of making a show that you also want to listen to. Mm. Uh, so what were some of the decisions you made on the technical aspects of the show and, and how, how are they recorded?
1: Yeah. So um, we are recorded. We started recorded. Everybody was at the same table. Um, and my old college roommate, uh, is a sound designer. He teaches sound at Nebraska. Um, and so before we recorded anything, I actually spent a little time, um, maybe three or four weeks with him, just kind of learning basic sound around the table, um, what to record out, how to edit it, things like that, so that I could create something that sounded like something I would want to listen to. Um, and then. Once we started recording stuff, I you know, was learning to edit. I was sending examples to him of what I had done and getting suggestions and uh, making some changes. And so we started recording well before we published because I wanted a lot of lead time to kind of get my, I guess, editing style under control and understand what I was doing. And then we started to have guests. Um, we've been very fortunate that the games that we have featured – Uh, We have always been able to get a hold of the developer and have them on as a guest. Uh, And so that was my first experience recording remotely. And when we ended up getting a new cast member, uh, we did record remotely, I think for like four sessions. It wasn't very long because, and we did not know this before we cast them, but they ended up getting a job right where we are.
0: Oh, and so like just like four serendipity, weeks,
1: yeah. So like four weeks after we cast them and started recording with them regularly, uh, they moved here. That's uh, so wild. E- Everyone involved works from a home, uh, and so we all felt safe getting together because no one is going out into the world and encountering other people than each other. Yeah. Um, and then for our Patreon show, we do have uh, one cast member who is in California, so we record them remotely, and uh, that was a matter of uh, sending them. When they auditioned, they auditioned with the equipment and the setup they had, and then when we cast them, uh, I sent them some additional equipment to kind of help get their their sound to match closer to ours so that you wouldn't feel a huge difference between what you heard from us and what you heard from them.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so this is a lot of effort and investment and time spent playing tabletop role-playing games and recording them and putting them into a podcast. What is it for you that uh, – tickles you with actual play content. Because uh, it's one thing to, hey, we're playing Pathfinder, let's start recording it and see what happens. It's yeah. another thing to be three years down the road now, casting someone from another state and sending them equipment in the mail to join them onto your cast. Like, this yeah. is a very different intention now that you're recording. So why? What is it about actual plays and role-playing games that um, that come together? Like... it? I, I can certainly know the appeal of doing both, right? Uh, and, and, and what tabletop RPGs represent. But why do them both at the same time?
1: So, you know, for me, it's a, it's a mix of, of, like you said, kind of two passions. Um, theater for me has always been about if I can, if someone can come in and sit down in the audience and they're there for 90 minutes. If for five of those minutes, I can make them forget about a problem that they're dealing with, give them a laugh that they weren't going to have that day, or you know help them examine something in a new way, something maybe they're dealing with at home or at work, whatever. If I can take their mind off of that for a moment or give them a new insight to it for even just a moment, that's kind of the closest thing that I have found in my life to a way to make the world just slightly better for that moment. And. I was going through uh, some some pretty difficult times when I listened to my first Actual Play podcast. I was traveling back and forth across the about 17-hour drive every other week. And I was listening to the show, and the feeling of being there at the table with them helped me get through a lot of stuff. It made me feel less alone. And so – When I decided I wanted to do this, I knew that I wanted to create something that felt the same way. I wanted to make something where the listener felt like they were at the table with us, that, you know, we do not have any inside jokes in the show that are not created on the air so that you will never sit down and listen and feel like you were missing out on something that happened off of the microphone because I want you to feel like you're there with us. And so that was really the initial drive was that it was a combination of the two things that I'd love to do. Um, and it was this desire to to make something that someone could listen to and either get a laugh or forget about their problems for a little bit um, or, you know, give them a cathartic moment to relate to a character uh, in a different way.
0: Yeah. And especially this year has been such an isolating year for so many people to have an opportunity where you can just hang out with a group of three to four yeah. people who are just having a good time. No strings attached.
1: That yeah, that can be priceless. You know, and we didn't know when we started the community that we were going to tap into. Like we have been very fortunate because we have we have discovered such a supportive audience. And you know we have we created a Discord uh, for our Patreon, and and that was just kind of a an offhanded thing. I was like, oh, this will be something cool. Like people can get together and talk if they want. But the Patreon, they don't need us there. Like they have created their own social group on the Patreon. They're doing secret Santas. They're doing book exchanges. They're doing movie nights. Um, They're sending each other, you know, cookies and candy for Christmas and greeting cards. Like they have created an actual community independent of us. And it just so happens like that's the way they found each other was by listening to the show. But the community that they need, if, if, if this show ended tomorrow, that community would still be there years from now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I terrible warriors. We went on hiatus this year, uh, unable to record around the table, and our Discord channel, same deal. They just kept hanging out. they <laughs> yeah. it's still there, and uh, it's really been um, so interesting. Is when I started, when terrible warriors started in 2011, those kinds of online connections just weren't built yet, and to see that evolve over the last few years to uh, just, not from just being. Loud social media, TM, but this community building, m- micro communities that mm-hmm. uh, kind of remind me of like the old IRC to date myself or uh, yeah. <laughs> channels back in 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 the early two thousands or, uh, or or that kind of stuff like the pre social media communities that were out mm-hmm. there, uh, and it's really nice to see those coming back. Yeah. So you mentioned driving alone, listening to a podcast and finding that inspiration to try and create that for someone else. Uh, So let's assume someone is listening to you and is feeling inspired and they want to start something. What would be your biggest advice to tell them that you've learned over the last few years of doing Crit Show and all the others uh, that you you would share with this person who is taking their first steps into creating their own content.
1: Um, I think the first thing I would say is find why is your show different? Um, you know, we stumbled across ours, you know, the fact that our, my players are playing as themselves is kind of our, our hook. Like that's our unique element. And so that would be the first thing is to say, you know, what, what is it that is unique about the story you want to tell? How is it different? Um, Because it is such a, especially, you know, after this last year, it's such a crowded market. And then the other thing would be, you know, make the story that you want to hear because there are so many actual plays out there. um, And for so many different types of games that at the end of the day, if you start getting focused on how many people downloaded it today or how many reviews do I have on iTunes or whatever, that's just the quickest way to start hating what it is that you should be loving and so as long as you are creating something that you're happy with you know you have to know what your marker for success is and and hold true to that even when things start to get difficult especially at the beginning because it's it's harder in the beginning to get noticed and then in the sense of gameplay i think i think the big thing that i've learned is that You're going to start out with a story you want to tell, and if you really listen to the people around the table and and pay attention to the characters that they build and the actions they take, they're going to tell you the story they want to tell, and you're going to be much better served letting go of the bulk of what you have in mind and letting the players lead you in that narrative and adapting around that Um, because… That was just a new style to me. Um, You know, I grew up playing uh, Earth, Dawn and Fading Suns. And so these narrative driven games, I love them. It's hard to go back and play anything else now um, because I love the degree of. Oh, so you this was the role you got. So why don't you tell me what happened now? And then handing that narrative over to the player and then handing it back and then you continuing on with the story. I, I love the shared narrative. Mm hmm.
0: Well, Rev, this has been a really wonderful conversation. Yeah. Where can we follow up with you and with Crit Show so that we can stay on top of everything that you're doing?
1: The easiest way would just be to go to the com. Uh, we have a beautiful website that our webmistress, Nix, has put together over the last uh, four months now. Um, it has... All of our let's plays featured on there. It has links to our Patreon where you can find all the other content that we create. Uh, and it also has links to um, listen to our main show. You can even listen to the main show uh, from that page. Uh, and then you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at the Crit Show.
0: And and of course your Patreon account so you can listen to all of those other extra shows you have.
1: Yeah, that is patreon.com/slash the crit show. Uh, and we also actually do uh, Monday nights. We do uh, we do stream on Twitch. Uh, and so that's twitch.tv slash The Crit Show. Uh, we don't always play tabletop games. More often than not, we don't. It's kind of a time to decompress and we'll play Phasmophobia or Fall Guys or something. Uh, but we, once a month, do a and a Q&A there for our listeners. Uh, and then we just get together there and, and stream some games every Monday night.
0: Excellent. Sounds like a really fun time. And uh, it is... Uh, It's just fun listening to your voice. I'm sure you get that all the time. (laughs) Uh, So, Rev, thank you so much. Uh, I wish you all the best in what's to come. I'm looking forward to see what happens next in your Krampus arc. It's really fun to find these other network of creators that we're all Mm. kind of islands and some are more connected than others and and, and sending out those flares and see where we all are out in the ocean. So uh, I'm really looking forward to to having more of these conversations and I'm really looking forward to uh, following up with you in the future to see how things are going.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, no problem. And to you, dear listener, thank you for following along with us. All of the links that Rev has mentioned are available in the show notes, so click through to them. They're all really helpful, and I hope that you enjoy listening to these other shows as we take a break uh, from doing actual plays of our own. And uh, if you want to stay up to date on what we're doing next, uh, follow us on Twitter at DiceWarriors or TerribleWarriors.com, where I try to keep everything up to date, and our own Discord channel that we're doing as well. And I will let you know there what game we'll be playing next. We've got a number that are all being recorded at once all at the same time so I can get them in before the end of the year so I don't know what order I'm going to release them in yet so I will let you know as soon as I do and until that time thank you for being a part of this weird year in helping to make these games and to play these games and if all you can do is listen to other people playing these games it's all kind of part of the big gumbo that goes together into making this community what it is so we'll see you again next week with another episode whatever it will be and until then Be good to each other. Bye.